Welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm Jill Funky, Communications Manager at Sioux Nation Ag Center, and we are so glad you found us. Sit back and listen as our staff hosts welcome guests from all aspects of the livestock production industry. It's our mission at Sioux Nation to arm regional, small, and medium producers with all of the resources we can put in front of them. And now, on with the program. Hello and welcome to the Sioux Nation podcast. I'm your Sioux Nation Ag Center staff host, Amber Boffman, and I have Sarah White here. She's the chief and editor of AgriPulse Communications, an award-winning agriculture journalist. Sarah founded the unique digital media firm, AgriPulse, to focus on policy issues. I read that AgriPulse was launched in 2004. Could you explain to our listeners what determined that those in the ag and food industries could benefit from an informational source like your firm? Sure, Amber, and thank you for hosting me on your podcast. Like many of your listeners, I grew up in rural America and um, raised on a farm. In fact, that's where we are today, a farm in eastern Iowa uh, that I now have purchased since my folks have passed on. And they instilled in me at an early age the importance of not only education, but being involved in the political process. And a big part of that was to be educated on what was happening, not only in our county, in our state, as well as on in the Capitol Hill. So if you knew what was going on there, then you could be a better advocate for whatever issues you were concerned about. And so AgriPulse grew out of that vision and mission to serve producers on an educational basis by providing high-quality content that they they could then use. Uh, We don't tell people whether they should like or dislike what's happening, what we tell them what is happening, what it means to them, and and then if they want to decide to get involved in the political process and try to change decisions, then they're better prepared to do so with our information. All the farmers and producers I know are extremely busy people. Uh, Why do you think they should spend time keeping up to date with policymaking in the state and national level? Well, first of all, it's really going to be for their benefit, again, to be more educated on the issues uh, because some of these things can really have a negative impact or sometimes an extremely positive impact on your livelihood, but you have to know what's coming at you. And I know people are busy. We try to take different levels of content and provide to people every day. So, for example, the first thing in the morning that goes out to all of our subscribers is called AgriPulse Daybreak. And it's a bunch of quick hits about what's going on that you can either read or you could jump in your truck and press a button and listen to the podcast of all the things that are in that daybreak section. A little later in the morning, we give people an overview of what's happening from not only our news outlet, but as well as a lot of other major media. So for example, if the New York Times wrote a big piece about a Dakota pipeline, or if um, the Sioux City newspaper or Des Moines Register, any of these that would be writing very major editorial stories about something in agriculture, food, energy, environment. Uh, We aggregate all that into a piece that gets emailed out to subscribers called our Daily Harvest. So you can look at it, you can see the headline, uh, sentence about what the article contains and click on if you want or just do a quick scan through all the different things that we provide. Later in the day, we do an audio wrap, again, audio only, so you can listen to it in your car or truck called Drive Time, that kind of five minutes of what happened uh, around the country and on Capitol Hill that day. 
And then on Wednesday is our biggest uh, in-depth newsletter. So if you have a little bit more time or what a lot of people do is actually still print it out and they will carry it around with them until they can get through all of our articles. That's usually 16 to 18 pages of articles and updates on what's happening. So that's our, our biggest deep dive on everything. And then on Saturday, we've uh, partnered with RFD TV and we're now doing a 30-minute TV show that you can either listen to or you can um, watch that on our YouTube channel, on RFD, or on our website. So it's a mix of content and audio and video offerings that we hope fits into people's busy schedules. What would you like to say about your staff who do the reporting on the topics that impact farmers, ranchers, and others in the ag and food industries? Well, we're very blessed to have an extremely talented staff, many of whom have worked for some of the major media outlets in agriculture until they decided to get away from providing that kind of coverage. So one of the things that you should know that's kind of a secret to our success is that as we were advancing into this space of covering legislative and regulatory issues for agriculture, a lot of major dailies were cutting down their ag news coverage. So for example, I mentioned the Des Moines Register in Iowa that newspaper used to have a full-blown Washington bureau with a couple of people devoted strictly to agriculture. Now they don't. Same could be said of some of the major farm magazines. They used to have Washington offices, and I was actually at Farm Progress Companies, which publishes Dakota Farmer, Minnesota Farmer, Wallace's Farmer. I was their VP of editorial, and we were going through a lot of downsizing. And so at that time, you know, we used to have two people, and then that office got eliminated. Feedstuffs was the same way. So there are just a lot of publications that had to pull back during the, well, in the 80s for sure, but then definitely as we went into 2000 and that decade, and we were growing at that time as we launched in 2004. So uh, it enabled us to fill this niche of information that had been lost really as others had moved away from it. And right now, we have the largest group of editors. We have six full-time in Washington, D.C., one in Sacramento providing our Western coverage, and then people who are scattered around the United States. So, for example, I believe that some of your staff know Noah Wicks, who's in Nunda, South Dakota. And um, we have others who are working for us in Kentucky and Florida. And so it takes a real network of individuals who are very dedicated to providing customers with the best quality information that we possibly can every day. In your opinion, what are the most pressing regulatory and legislative issues affecting farmers in the nation in the Midwest region? Well, right now, Amber, as you have perhaps heard, we're in the process of writing a new farm bill. And that's always really a great time for us because we have a lot of experienced writers who have covered farm bills in the past. For example, I've been doing that since uh, the early 1980s and variety of different jobs, but uh, at, at AgriPulse since 2004. And so every five years when Congress decides to write a farm bill, it covers everything from the commodity policy to rural development to a lot of different things that are involved in conservation and feeding programs. And I know this year the tribes have actually put together a farm bill wish list, and so they're being very proactive on this topic. And I think that's probably our number one for 2023. But certainly there are a lot of regulatory issues 
you probably heard the judge has invalidated the waters of the U.S. rule in uh, a couple dozen states right now. And farmers and ranchers that we work with, uh, by and large, tell us that they believe themselves to be good stewards of this land. And they really don't like having a lot of regulatory burdens, paperwork to fill out, all that kind of stuff. Delays in terms of trying to get something accomplished when you've got to go through a lot of different hoops. So we watch regulatory issues like WOTUS, like uh, the ability to have uh, crop protection chemicals that are useful, uh, animal regulations. And then there's a host of other things like, for example, in the Rural Development Title that are helping Farmers have new revenue opportunities, like those who are able to get meat processing grants, uh, those who are able to uh, be able to market some of their own niche products uh, across the country. So we are also looking not just at the burdens of regulations, but the opportunities from some of these new programs that may be coming out of USDA and the federal government. AgriPulse has been around for almost 20 years. What are some of the most noteworthy changes you have seen in agriculture during this time? I think the biggest change has probably been in technology, not only on farms and ranches, but certainly in the publishing industry. Uh, I still keep my first Apple laptop, which is uh, about as big as a suitcase, uh, but I don't use it anymore because it's really heavy to carry around, and I can do similar work on my Apple iPhone. So it's become easier and faster, Uh, certainly if you have good broadband, which is why we're sitting where we are right now, because I can go five miles away and not have broadband. Uh, And it's just really frustrating and able to do business. But the, the technology is in existence, and that has made it easier for us to do our work. Uh, quicker to do our work, but also probably gives us more work to do because there's enabling more time to to dig into some additional subject matter. Uh, but all in all, I think it's very good, and producers are seeing that on the farm as well. Uh, if you have access to high-speed broadband, you can have markets uh, far outside your neighborhood, and that makes it a lot easier to sell uh, products. It also makes it easier to stay up to date on information. So hopefully you can go to agra-pulse.com and you can see all we have uh, to offer. And um, you'll you'll see that as a result of having this new technology, we can update our site from many different locations and we're updating it throughout the day. So people are publishing from wherever they may be in the country and um, getting that up on our website. It's being edited from people in another part of the country. So we can be located in more areas and we can move information faster than ever before. Considering your background and experience, what do you feel are the most significant issues that producers and others in agriculture will be facing in the future? Well, one of them is linked to probably a darker side of the technology Uh, and that would be artificial intelligence. Um, We think it's a benefit for us in terms of being able to capture information. So, for example, we use a software right now that collects information from interviews in real time and saves not only audio but transcribes immediately so that we can take interviews and turn them into stories much more quickly than we ever could before. At the same time, some people will use artificial intelligence to 
to skirt the system and not be as ethical as trained journalists like our team might be. And I think that that makes it much more difficult for people to sort out the good and the bad, so to speak, information. Uh, we know that people are always trying to persuade and to get people to click on certain things. So there might be a very sensational headline leading to a sensational story that might not even be true. And that's very concerning from an ethical standpoint for me, is how do we make sure that people understand that they need to trust high-quality content on websites like ours. And, and that is why we have a subscription model. We lock down a lot of our, our actual stories. You can see our video and you can listen to our audio for free. But, <clears throat> again, people can't go in and monitor or they can't alter that. But once it's on our site and it's locked down, they know it's from a trusted group of editors and that they can trust that information as a result. So we're going to continue to monitor that. Um, there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. For example, I get uh, probably an email a day asking somebody, asking me from um, a source I might not even know if they could pay me to put links in my content. But we don't accept that. But it doesn't stop people from trying to find ways that they can link high-quality content to something that may not be as honest and trustworthy. And I think we're just going to have to pay a lot of attention to that going forward. What else would you like our listeners to know? Well, I'd like to give you my email address. It's Sarah, S-A-R-A, at A-G-R-I-Pulse, P-U-L-S-E, dot com. And feel free to send me an email of any story ideas that you have, um, both success stories and things that you think that we might want to be looking at as a potential troubling issue in the future. And uh, keep us informed from your standpoint as well on what you plan to see and work on in the Farm Bill. Uh, we love to hear from listeners and, and viewers um, and have you sign up for any of our free stuff on our website and eventually maybe subscribe. So that would be a, a very good thing to start out with. And I'd also like to tell you that if you have any uh, professors and teachers in your community colleges that are offering um, classes in ag economics, uh, farm management, that are studying some policy issues, we do have a future ag leader program that we provide to those professors for free. And they can share some of our content with students for free and use it as a discussion tool in their classroom. So I thought those two things might be of importance to your listeners. Thank you, Sarah. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll catch you next time with more guests and topics related to the current ag climate.